Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Yo, you right? How's it going? It's Carl up. Carl Anka. From the Athletic. From that Athletic. From that there Athletic. All right. Yeah, not all bad. Right. How you going? I'm all right. Sorry on Monday. You did? Oh, oh, where did you see each other on Monday? Uh, Sports Journalism Awards oh, 2021. Really? It was all right. Yeah. Sorry, fun. Jeff Stanley got a Lifetime Achievement Award. Did he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and he had like a 17 minute montage of his career as well, didn't they? It's a little bit excessive. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. It yeah. was quite nice to watch just loads of other journalists meet Jeff Stanley and go, You're an inspiration. I love it. Really? You. And then also gift Jeff Stanley liquid currency. <laughs> so, I mean, the last time I saw Jeff Stanley was about 1.30 in the morning and he was in a very nice place, yeah. which is always nice. Were you two having a drink? I was trying to get I'm smashed. I was with. <laughs> I don't know why I asked you that. I was, I was with Cal. Were you having a drink? Because I know the answer with him already. We might I was. Tr- I thought we were going out and getting out, getting on it. Right. <laughs> that was what I was sold. That was the only reason I was there. Right. I knew we were winning. It was up against the overlap. Right. It if won. we the overlap. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, I'll Come be honest with you. I'd have Kanye West in it. I'd have been like Gary Neville had the best oh. YouTube video of all time. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, nice. The overlap deserved to win, so you know, fair play to them. We didn't have a, a shot, in my opinion, so I was there to get fucking smashettoed. Nice. So that's <laughs> what so I was trying to do. do. It's kind of the rules. I'm, I'm playing Sandy Bottoms. I'm making sure anyone within arm's reach of me oh, is, is finishing I'm, everything I'm within their hand at an ungodly yeah. rate. Um, I sent Ashley Williams a little bit under. Right. Vegan, innit? Vegans can't drink, mate. <laughs> And I'll send the bottom in with red wine. Every as well. week we have these would I lie to you <laughs> stories, Stephen. I said Ashley Williams under an award ceremony. Anton wasn't yes. drinking because he was given an award, so he was trying to stay sober until he'd like give his award out, which right. is like half nine, so forget him. Like So you just smash your unit. Yeah, me and Will. Me and yeah. Will had a good Producer old good old fashioned go at it. Yeah, good luck. And everyone else was a raging disappointment on our table at it least. It was anyway. a Monday night, I must say. Right. Let's not pretend we've got real jobs, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> My job's Carl is, Carl is, is, is kind of real, isn't it? It's kind of serious. Not as like. Well, you got to be anywhere at 8 a.m. on yeah. Tuesday, was it? Yeah, 
I got two off tonight. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I'm impressed. So that, uh, who else were the big winners then on this awards, Dave? Because you've got the overlap. Won loads, didn't they? Really? Woodsy won, um, was it female or just journalist? Sports presenter of the year. There you go. Second okay. time yeah. in a row. Back to Congratulations right. to her. Yeah. Her career's Absolutely. flying, yeah. in it, Woodsy. Yeah, rightly so. Um, Sky won a couple of stuff. Al Jazeera won one for a pretty cool documentary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it's some highbrow shit. Yeah. yeah. And what were you up for, you personally? Your, I think your... it was um, best YouTube, might be series. Have they never seen the Brit? I know, I, you know, I no. wanted to pull someone aside and be like, do you know what I mean? Like, do you want this shown as well? I, they, well if you'd have won, you show you like a little clip, don't you? It show you like a little clip. Shows behalf. Of all of the stuff that we did in here yeah. in the summer, Go on. Sheeran and Lineker yeah, upstairs yeah, yeah. and all that lot, they shown when we had like Lescott on Skype and his internet didn't work. And you're like, <laughs> good job we didn't win, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I had Lescott moving around his house to get signal because it was that bad. It was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Does he live out in the sticks? I'm uh, I made Daniel Taylor one. Oh, I love Daniel as Taylor. He, as he often does, he's like a multi-repeat multi, um, winner of that award that he won. I can't remember which one he won. Was it Features? It was Features. Get well soon, Danny. Is he all right? on the weather at the moment. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. You know, wish him the best. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, Danny won. Um, and here's the madness as well. Me and Will, it's a 100% true story. Me and Will are sitting like this here. And as they're reading out the awards, and I'm going, is Danny Taylor's this all day long? He's like, he's, out of all of them, this is Danny Taylor. You seen the stuff that he was just doing on Barry Bennell? This, yeah, like, yeah, all the yeah. other stuff that he's doing. This is Danny Taylor's award. Then he announced him and he stood up there. <laughs> and I went, fucking, I was good to weren't slagging him off, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good job. So when we had him on here, and that was, because I love Daniel Taylor. We had him on, me and Ronaldo Brown. And I was waxing lyrical about that. I've been reading your stuff for years. It's great to finally meet you. Because I've passed and almost crossed in a few situations. Uh, big fan. We, were, uh, he's on, we had him on for about an hour or a half for something stupid. We just kept asking him questions. Just a top chat. And as we were leaving, like he's like, yeah. Oh, he's like, I'll add you on Twitter. Like, I'll follow you. And he's like, so where's Ronaldo? I'm trying to find him. And he found Ronaldo. He's like, he's not even following me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could I could lie to you about Ronaldo and you believe it. And I was like, Ronnie, what is wrong with you? He's like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> uh, Daniel Kirk, who's in the Super Chat, says, really like you in the press account. You're the only one who asks questions about tactical setup and reasons for tactics. Don't happen. No. Also, what's Marcus like? This is a very expansive question. What's Marcus like? Marcus is like what Marcus <laughs> looks like in, in who he is. When if you he don't know, by the way, sorry, I should qualify <laughs> that, that Cal co-wrote uh, Marcus Rashford's book with him. So that's why he's getting that question. Doing another one. We are doing another one. Yeah. It's, uh, it's scheduled to release this July. Uh, it's called You Can Do It. Um, when it got announced, my friend did the You Can Do It in the Rob Schneider voice. You can do it! <laughs> and, and now, every time yeah. I, I think you about get, the book, you get I, just, that a lot. I get that in my head. Which is great. Uh, and when I do get, you know, when we are in the process of writing it, I'm like, oh no, maybe we've hit a crossroads. I just hear the, you can do it! Fair so, motivation. That, that's what we do. Um, is that like, you know, sort of talking about the tactical questions, and, and you're one of the few ones, is that just natural for you, or do you, did you, see, do you see that and think no one's asking this, so I'm going to? Or is that just your forte anyway? Uh, it's my forte, and also I think it's a combination of who I've come through in terms of managers. So first ever sort of press conferences, I was covering Southampton. I had Ralph Hasenhutl at Southampton. He was a big tactical mind, so we, we went back and forth. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, a lot of people want to call him a PE teacher. He does have tactics, and it was a fun little poker game to try and catch him out or, or you know, find the right mood for when he would talk about tactics more and he certainly opened up throughout the course of the season so that was fun and and Ralph Rangnick I mean 
he loves talking about tactics. He's yeah. uh, refreshing slash surprisingly candid when you talk ask him about tactics. That, that's the one thing that stands out about him uh, in his press conferences, and even when he's been like. You know, he's signing autographs on the street and someone's filming him. You could literally be like, you, I mean, you could go to him and go, just go on, and who are we signing? I think he might tell you. Like, I think he's that close <laughs> to doing it, isn't he? See, like, that, was that the one outside Old Trafford where the guy was been like, about three. Harland and Kunde and uh, Rice. Like, right, <laughs> you must be dreaming of somewhere. Yeah. Like, you don't get that usually, do you, from no. managers? Like, because they're, they're all, they've all got media brains, haven't they? They know, like, this is, I'm being filmed, this could go anywhere. But he's like, I love that bit about it. Yeah, he's very refreshing in that sense. The other thing when you ask a tactical question as well is, you kind of have to semi-know the answer, semi-know that they're probably not wanting to give um, strategy for an upcoming game away. But if they've done something obviously different in that game, which you've got to analyse real time, which is hard to do, to then go and sit in the press conference and go, Think of what you just did today, and then ask them about that. I, I'd be very, I'd love to ask or see more people ask them questions, but I also think that it's kind of like it's not as bad as like, are you signing Ronaldo? They're not going to answer. I think sometimes they don't want to answer those questions. There's an art to it. So with Solskjaer, he was not going to talk tactics after a defeat. I mean, you wouldn't. You know, you, you've just failed. What, and so goes, why did you do this thing that led to a failure? Not many people going to answer that. Whereas especially when United won last season and it's something different. If you, you know, you want to give a dog a pill, you wrap it up in a bit of ham and all that. If you, if you, nice. if you like package the question just right, you might be able to get him on something about, you know, the different use on, on the wide players or perhaps they started doing something in terms of build up with a different shape with Paul Pogba and, mm. and what Cavani offered on certain things. And I think that was the thing with him. Uh, and in terms of defensive stuff, the defense was very much more about personnel. So I knew after a victory, I could maybe get him in that press conference and say, this is what's happened. Or what I found, especially with Solskjaer, before a press conference, if you came to him with something he had said in a previous com- press conference, he would respect you because you were basically saying, I've paid attention to what you said two or three months ago. And therefore, he basically like, thank you for paying attention. I will honor you paying attention by giving you a correct answer here. So. I think one of the big things we did was in, in November uh, 2020, I would basically went, mate, what's the plan? What's your long-term plan for Man United? And he went, he just went, how long you got? Gave me this really good answer. Got to January. Uh, I said, November, you said this. How's things changed? They went, fair enough. All this and this and this. And then started this season. And then a couple of weeks into the new season, I went, okay, well, I've talked about your attack. I've talked about your defense. What's the midfield? And he just went, well, I've told you that. I've got no more secrets, mate. What, what are you doing? <laughs> I think that was, that was the big thing with, with Solskjaer. And with Ragnik, it's very much of how are you finding things now you've come over from Germany? And he will talk to you about that at length. Or if you ask him about particular patterns that have happened. So one thing I asked him was essentially, after the Southampton game, well, you've conceded three times pretty early on in the second halves. Do you think, are you concerned that anything's going on in your halftime team talk? And then it, this was a really weird one because I thought he'd just say, no, nothing. But I went, he went, no, nothing. And then he explained what happens in the halftime team talk, which was something that was decent. most managers won't tell you. But he just went, yeah, we do five to six minutes of talks. We look through some video clips and we do this. Trust me, we're not doing anything wrong in the halftime team talk. And you're going, oh, fair enough. Do you, do you feel that, Steve? Do you feel like people want more out of now? Because it's moved on, in it, football and analysis? Because everyone's got stats and stuff at the fingertips. More people are... So, you know, into XG and stuff like that and, you know, what Carl's talking about. And I feel like the old school, like, you know, 
I wanted it more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I do, I do. And I feel like that is getting shifted out because that was very much when I used to do presses, that was very much the, the questions you'd get one after the other. I'm not, that's not a criticism of any journalist, that was just the way it was. So your lads weren't up for it today? Yeah, you know, like... <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of it is also the format. So at The Athletic, I'm blessed by the fact that I'm working online. I don't necessarily have to fill a page or a certain part of yeah. a newspaper. I also have more time to file. So, you know, let's think about the history of newspapers. Game finishes at five o'clock. You have to get all that copy in so it can go up Saturday morning, Sunday morning. So you just have you have to work at a certain speed, whereas I can sit down, watch match of the day, watch the game again if I want to, and then go, yes, and this is what I think's happened. Or, you know, go backwards and forwards on all these press conferences. Uh, and I also think just managers are different now. Right? There are some, I mean, there's this thing called being Nanglesman, which is if you go into an interview with, with Julian Nanglesman and say, I think you're doing this in tactics. If you get it wrong, he basically goes, right, you got this wrong. I'm going to slowly demonstrate why you got this wrong and what I'm actually doing. And it's this like big trap of beware your interview with Nanglesman. Don't talk too much about tactics because he will catch you out on something. Isn't that a good thing though? I mean, if you're not- Well, can go, you're playing 4-4-2. This is what Clough did in the 70s. And then be like, whoa, yeah. here we go. Lesson time, <laughs> sit back, get your notepad out. <laughs> um, talking about the format, what is it back in the press conferences now, physically? Carrington is now I available. Jamie Jackson was in with him, I think he said it. Carrington is. as of last week. So the press conference and, and the quotes you saw Almost in like Friday's like two years now press conferences yeah. are now uh, in real life. I know. How, did you find, how did you find it on Zoom? And, and did you prefer that? Or? It's different. I think it's, if you are listening, watching this video right now, and you want to be working in football industry. I think the Zoom era is really good to watch because they all had to, you know, they all put, they all record over Zoom. They all got put on YouTube. So if you want to figure out, oh, how do I work in press conferences? There you go. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Awesome. You can just watch all your, all the journalists you really like and admire and go and go, how do they approach all these managers and how, how does each manager change? And I think that was cool. I also think it really democratized certain football clubs, right? So when I was covering Southampton, it was me and two other lads. It was a local newspaper and a BBC local radio. And then when it went to Zoom era, you had anyone who just wanted to be on the Zoom, which meant, great, more, more people were asking questions. So you get different types of questions in theory. You also had that thing where you had people that weren't at that football club every single week. So they were asking questions that had been answered last week. So you know, when I was covering Southampton, everyone was asking about the 9-0 and I was like, stop. Stop doing this. I've asked you about this last last week. Um, and with Solskjaer on United, it was very much... He had a very particular demeanour with, with the Zoom press conferences because you'd have the sort of... All the Mancunians, all the, all the Manchester-based journalists. And then you'd have a little segment where there were the Norwegian-speaking people. And they might change or open up a little bit more. Or like his approach there was, was a bit different. And that would completely change when it was a European press conference as well because then you're getting you know, Italian media, Spanish media, German media as well. And I think that was one of the, the big differences is that the manager essentially changes based on how big the crowd is. Or at least if you're the manager of a super club, you, you need to understand that certain things you put out there can be used and will have a different effect based on whether you win or lose. There was one um, press conference Ralph Ragnick did, I think it was, I want to say maybe four or five games in? And they asked him, it was, tell a lie, it was after the Brentford victory. And they asked him, you know, you sub off Ronaldo, what's going on there? And Ranick's on, you know. It was one of those questions where Ranick's first answer was very clearly, I know you're trying to trap me here and say something about dropping Ronaldo, I'm not gonna fall for it. Nice. Swerved it, and then gave an answer a different question. And then he kept talking and he said something and I went, right, that's gonna get you in trouble if you lose this weekend. 
but they were. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like that honesty about him as well, Ralph Rannick, and uh, you know the fact that he is up for it because it can. Be, I, know, I get they're under pressure, Matt United manager, but sometimes the press conferences I was found really difficult. And I, and I was like, I did a few like Jose and and um, well, David Moyes stops us going, um, but Van Gaal was very up and down, very erratic. And it was very sort of like the, the, the press office is always on it as well. Like mm. you couldn't ask a lot of questions or they'd, they'd move it on very quickly. So, yeah, it could be difficult. Um, yeah, what do you reckon about Randick in the press conference? Are you a big fan of what he does? Um, less the press conferences, I think, with Randick. Uh, what I noticed with him is a lot of his, his post-match interviews are very honest, very detailed. Uh, and it seems like the interactions of bumping into him around Manchester, there's a few people that are just spotting him and just having top conversations That's with him. Mental, and I am That's jealous. Yeah. Right. Um, so we just start go, going and driving around looking for him. Where is it? Is it, is it Lowry? <laughs> is it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So we can, yeah, it's not the first time we've done go something like that. Go and get like myself that. an £18 apple juice and let's have it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got uh, some messages from our sponsor. So Today's show is brought to you by Spitch. Spitch is a free fantasy football game available to anyone in the UK or Ireland over the age of 18. Spitch is a great app because it allows you to enter teams for every single week. You don't have to be planning for the entire season. You have the chance every week to plan for that and win cash prizes. It's not just the Premier League. You can set up teams in the Championship, La Liga, Bundesliga, the Champions League, and many more. This week, there is a special offer available. If you go into the app and sign up, just like you can see on the screen here, you have the chance of winning some amazing prizes. Set up your pitch for this weekend's Premier League fixtures and you'll be in with a chance of winning an Apple Watch, AirPods, gift vouchers and many more prizes. You don't need to enter any card details, just click on the link and sign up to the app below. Remember, you do need to be over the age of 18 and make sure you check out the terms and conditions. So thanks to our sponsors. Um, just a quick super chat from Neil Max says, Schmeichel used to throw the ball a mile as soon as he got it, so he broke on the counter. It was so effective. Why don't modern keepers do this? I think they can throw it over the halfway line. Schmeichel was a handball player, and yep. I think he was uniquely suited. He was also huge, right? Let's have it right. He was also enormous, yep. and I think he was built like a bear. And he was an individual that had the abilities. Like, how many other keep? Some keepers can't kick it over the He's halfway a, line. If you watch though, some of those, the Champions League, the, vic the victory in the night-night Champions League especially, you realise he's basically a cheat code of a goalkeeper. He's enormous. Right, he's enormous. And he was also coming off his line at an age where most goalkeepers were pinned to it. Yeah. So yeah. you're going, oh, that's great. Uh, but this is the thing. He, yeah, he come and starfished. Yeah. yeah, Newcastle away, 96. He's a 4XL top, Jay. You know I mean? Just steaming at people like, and he definitely growled. Yeah. Let's have it. I think That's got to get in your head. That I think it's one of those things of, there's so many bits of that classic, of, of those classic United teams that are doing very modern things, but we didn't call it that back then. So we called it the starfish. Now it's, oh, he come off his line. Very progressive goalkeeper. Back in the, nah, starfishing. Or if you watch all of the match of the day, oh yeah, yeah, Alex Ferguson's team. Very good at closing down in pods. Pressing. <laughs> Yeah, I know that it was we, United was pressing because um, there was a player from the, the late nineties that was telling me that it was like you were never allowed to let them turn, you were never mm -hmm. allowed to let them take a bad touch. You had to be on them, and that's all it was. It was just a different terminology. But if you watch United, and if you watch United in Europe, my dad still moans it. The two banks are four. It's a low block. Yeah. And you see United controlling a game by playing a low block and then trying to counter from it. If you go and watch a lot of, like, Fergie gets labelled as a motivator sort which of is, manager. Which I think he, he was a tactician. I think he enjoys that. I mean, something that really, 
came out in that um, Ferguson documentary was just basically, he's never going to tell you what he was doing tactically. He just he just enjoys you not knowing. That's part of the, part of the mystique of Alex Ferguson. I think manager. we tried to move to a four three three. Real says I'm wrong, by the way. But I don't, <laughs> what does he know? that doesn't stop you? Does what it? the fuck does he know? Uh, I know like, like he was playing at the time. Uh, <laughs> is he <laughs> managing a team? No. Um, I think when we do you remember the four five one era? Yep. With Giggs and, and um, Beckham playing as your wide forwards, I think he saw Ronaldo Rooney four three three era but executed it incorrectly or didn't quite know where to fit those players into that system. I think he saw the extra man in midfield and an evolution of how forwards was going to play. And I think it just it, it just didn't quite jive at the time that we tried to play it with the players that we tried to play it with. Yeah, yeah. I think he saw it coming. And you said that to me on real said, no. No, he said Fergie wanted to play 4-4-2 yeah. um, and Carlos wanted him to put skulls off, off the front man. Oh. Um, just mm. on the goalkeeper front, what do you make of our goalkeeper situation because it's a hot topic. Is there, uh, you know, do is it, does he, is he, is he good enough at his distribution and, and commanding his area to justify being in the team? I'm going to be really mean here. Yeah, this is a problem that should have been solved in the summer. So, for most of last season, Solskjaer is playing this pretty, you know, cars pretty close to his chest. It's like, ah, oh, you know, it's great to have two number ones. It's great, it's great. It's a nice problem, it's a nice problem. The thing about nice problems is, if yeah. you don't make a decision sooner or later, it becomes a problem problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, and for better or worse, we now have a problem problem where United have essentially wasted 18 months to maybe two years of Dean Henderson's career. And also, I mean, done nothing for in terms of resale value. I mean, if you don't want to play Dean Henderson, sell him, buy him. Get moving on. Um, and now you've got David Ahea, who, you know, is doing one of the better seasons he's done in a while since he, since he's declined. But I don't think he's I don't think he's a Premier League winning goalkeeper anymore. I think okay. the teams that win the Premier League need something a bit more progressive from their goalkeepers. Also, I mean this is again a one another weird, nice problem that's turned into a problem problem for Manchester United. If you want to keep David De Gea, the spine, the proper centre-back who's playing most of the games ahead of you, can't be someone with the archetype of Harry Maguire. And also, if you have a player like Harry Maguire, the defensive midfield ahead of him... I can see him, where this is going. If you have someone ahead of him, if you want to have someone ahead of him, probably shouldn't have the archetype of Scott McTominay. And if you have Scott McTominay at defensive midfield, then the attacking midfield ahead of him probably shouldn't play like Bruno Fernandes... <laughs> Which again means, if you're, but if you have Bruno Fernandes there, then the striker ahead of him probably shouldn't be Cristiano Ronaldo. We've got the reverse of a spine. Right, okay. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, and it's a, a topic that's been debated. You've done, you spoke about David De Gea recently, didn't you? Well, you, he's we got ungodly have. shot stopping. Yeah. Uh, it's literally, it's I think it's like plus eight yeah. expected goals that he saved. But he ain't claiming crosses. No. He's not commanding his area. He's very much a six-yard box goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. um, he, he sweeps, I think, worst or second worst in the league in terms of his actions in a team that actually plays a high line. There's teams that are low blocking week in, week out who've got goalkeepers with a way higher average oh, yeah. um, defensive action uh, line. The problem is he's almost turned into a match-of-the-day player where if you're only watching the highlights, if you're only watching the goals, certainly, or the, you know, the shots, he will look like he's mint. But if you're watching 90 minutes, particularly the other week, what was the last? 
can't remember who we were playing recently, <laughs> and it was there were so many options for him to play on early ball, and he just rolled it out to Lindelof, time after time after time after time, and you're like, honestly, lads. You don't even roll it to Maguire. It's just yeah. Lindelof. And it's not. And again, this isn't these players are good or bad. It's n none of these players mesh properly. Yeah. So United always will look shakier than how they actually play when they're good. But also when they are good, it's never going to be consistently secure. We're trying to play CDs on a VHS player. There you go. Mm, it's all clashing songs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. And the fact that, you know, you said any more. Because we did a bit of a debate the week when we were talking about it. And like you know, people getting the comments. We've won the Premier League. So oh, yeah, so is Bobby know. Charlton technically. <laughs> nine, nine, you know, nine years ago yeah. with a you know Vidic and Rio in front of him, and you know a, a stronger midfield and all the rest of it. So it's very, it's very much a different sort of area now. Obviously, it is. And I don't know with David. I Dyer. just wouldn't renew him. Yeah. I don't think you're going to sell him. But the, the wrong decision now is um, someone threw up a graphic earlier. You're looking at the sheer number of players that are up for renewal. The they won't do it because they account weirdly at Manchester United. Like a player's contract has a, a value, so they can put that in as money. Right. It's, it's, it's something I find very strange with Manchester United, or at least Manchester United when Ed Woodward was in charge. Was the big criticism of Ed Woodward was he, he, he wasn't a football person, he, he was a numbers man, he was, he was a man of finance. And, and then you look at the finances of Manchester United and you go, for someone who's come through JP Morgan and is a master of finance, you don't really seem to understand how amortization works. You're really bad at reselling. How is... What, what are you doing here? Do you not understand how, play, how to create value I, I never for bought this. I never bought the You've Manchester United... Um, were, like, this is Manchester United. Everyone's value went up, or everyone's revenue went up about five, six, seven times yep. in a time that United's went up about two and a half times. Don't tell me that you're good at... If you sales and commercials. If you look at the gap between Liverpool and Manchester United throughout the Premier League, and, and you know the big boom comes from United. 2000 to 2005, United are just going to the moon. Yeah. The, and so Tottenham, actually, which I wasn't aware of until I looked into it, but Tottenham are just consistently going, bam. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about Liverpool, but the people who are in charge of Liverpool, the fact they've closed the gap from a canyon between, in terms of revenue between Manchester United and Liverpool to that. It's just like, oh, that's what finance people can do in charge of a massive football club. You're right. It pains me to say it, but you look at them. James Manchester you United. At, you look at them and go, you know, they're getting it right. And get someone on minimum wage to ring up and go, hey, do you fancy sponsoring Manchester yeah. United? This is your yeah, argument. No, no the Manchester United. Living wage, mate. Living wage. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sweaty Ollie, uh, Sweaty Legend, member of the Academy for 30 months. Thanks for your support. It says, better not be Poch. Manchester United job will destroy Poch. I mean, that's a. I mean, there's a bit, bit of a debate going on about Maurizio Pochettino could be coming to to Manchester United. He is a United appointment. Should we talk about it? Do you want to yeah, get into yeah it? why not? Let's get into I, it. I mean, I know your thoughts. You've been pretty consistent. Um, well, I, well, well, I, I did a piece yesterday on the Athletic. <laughs> uh, basically, He's went not. look. Okay, PSG have got knocked out, which means Poch probably won't be PSG manager next season. Which means United probably won't need to pay any seventh three if they want to get Pochettino. I think I've got it here. Yes, I'm just looking at it. So. Should a very bad result affect United's fans' feeling about a pretty good football manager? Now, the answer I've come to is probably not, but it probably will. Is Pochettino a good enough manager to get Manchester United where they need to be? Mm -hmm. Probably not, maybe. I think one of the strange things about Pochettino is 
I mean, we call it this PSC team. They're not a P- they're not a Pochettino side. We all can openly say you're yeah. not a po- you're not a Poch side because your front three don't press. And then you go, when was the last Poch side like properly Poch managed side? And you go, well, it's not the PSG ones. Probably not the final season at Spurs. The season when they get to the Champions League final, the wheels had fallen off mostly. So the last proper Pochettino side. It's the one that also didn't win something. It's the one that also didn't win something. But it's also. <laughs> Well, it came the last, the last proper potch side is also the best potch side. And hmm, is this one of those situations where Manchester United are possibly interested in a manager four or five years too late? Surely not. I refuse Surely to believe not. that, Carl. We, we don't do that. We've never appointed a manager four I, or five years. I am too late. almost certain they're going to appoint him. Do you think? Well, what about Tanag? I thought Tanag was like numero uno and all, and I can buy into that. I, the fun thing is. I mean, for all the talk about, oh, yeah, Pochettino, you don't have to pay severance fee. Ten Hag's current salary at Ajax is a lot cheaper. If you if you want to just do buy the cheaper yeah. manager, then that logic would that's probably not, lean you quick closer to getting Ten Hag. That's where this uh, United money cheaper. and finance expertise just falls apart. <laughs> because like you said, we spend money on mental things. <laughs> we spend money we, and we literally might as well set that, fire to money. I didn't say that. Uh, I, said, I didn't say that. Sam was it. You said that. Yeah. I, I absolutely <laughs> he said He says that. it constantly. Uh, we, we are <laughs> like, the only thing that was impressive that United have done on a commercial front is selling the naming rights to Carrington, which is down a private road and no one's allowed to go. That's the only thing that impressed me. Like you've done what? Fucking well done, Brad. I'm, I'm, you have I'm a day in, off. I'm impressed by United's. Uh, I'm going to call it hesitance to get involved with NFTs. I know they're doing a little bit of a crypto. I'd rather they didn't as well. But I I like the fact that United have gone, no, we're going to keep our powder dry here. That's not what they've done. (laughs) They just take four years to approve anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Once the arse falls out of the market, we're like, you better believe we'll have have a bit of them. We'll go and speak to John Selly about this. He's got a good take on it. I've been saying it for probably nigh on 10 years. United should have looked at what Netflix did made uh, a Netflix library of every Manchester United game because the club has the rights to those under MUTV and said, right, just advertise it. Hey, do you remember when we were top? There ain't any more. Why don't you go on a YouTube ride or an MUTV you know, tube ride and watch the whole 1991 Cup run? So or watch the whole 99 run. What, we've got every game, every minute, every goal, every corner, every red card, it's all on there for seven ninety nine a month. So-called 600 million fans worldwide. We're not even getting a pound out of each one. That's shit business. Um, <sighs> Carrie Spratt says, what is Carl's relationship with Oli now that he's been sacked? Has he talked to him at all? Have you spoke to Oli Gunnar Solskjaer? Been on any dates with him? Right? Yeah. Unfortunately not, no. no. Uh, we, we, he's still local, though, isn't he? He is. He, yeah, he, he was, was at his daughter's game. He was at his daughter's game. Yeah. Uh, there's been uh, correspondence through correspondence, okay. shall we say. Fair uh, enough. Wish him all the best. No, I think, yeah, I think I echo those sentiments. I think we, whether you're a big Oli fan or not as a manager, you know, you wish him the best and he tried his best and, you know, he came up short for a multitude of reasons, but he's always going to be an United legend, obviously. Um, just a couple of presser quotes we can get into. Um, amazingly, some of them about Cristiano Ronaldo, which you'll both be oh. shocked to, to hear. Um, Ralph Randick said, I haven't asked him if he's happy at, at Manchester at this club. He's fit again. Sorry. Yeah, I've just seen this on... Shall I, do you want me to say that loud? No, I'll just show I'll just show Carl. Show Carl, because... Show him. I, I saw it in the comments, and I've not mentioned it, because I didn't know whether it was worth mentioning. But, yeah. Like I be, keep saying, though, that I just... It I mean, just, I don't know. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to speak to the source of that myself. Um, he says, 
on Ralph, uh, on Ralph Ronnick, on Ronaldo. Mm. I haven't asked him if he's happy at United, uh, Manchester at this club. He's fit again, resumed training yesterday, and we shall see which formation we will line up with tomorrow. Um, I mean, the whole Ronaldo thing, what have you made of that? The, the hip flexor thing, is it just he had an injury, he wasn't playing, or is it something more sinister? I'm going to take that at truth until yeah. I have given uh, evidence to not take it at truth. Fair enough. That seems like a reasonable response. I'm his load of old ass, to be honest. <laughs> you reckon he got dropped? I haven't got proof of it, but exploded my Exploded with rage. My suspicion is it was a strop. Um, I mean, yeah. Oh, no, hang on. My belief is it was a strop. You, your belief is it was a strop. Okay. I mean, you know the phrase? It's mm, my understanding. It's my understanding that... It may have been a strop. I am of the belief it is a hip flexor problem. Uh, <laughs> I am also of the belief that, I mean... Carl's of the belief he don't want Karen to ring him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Something about throwing on the buses. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Um, Stevie86H. Oh, it's a super chat. you got to read it out. Uh, Webby is saying that Poch is going to be the next United manager due to a source. I won't. Ten Hag up the paddock. Right, just getting into this. The talk for the longest time has been that Pochettino wants Manchester United, and I believe that that is cast iron. Yeah, put I, a bow I, on it. I, I, I the problem on. is, I think, and I kind of hope, this is a little bit of a Murata Lukaku situation where United are going to go down the aisle with both. Okay. And then go surprise bitch at the end when we pick one of them. Yeah, do you remember those? I hope it's the bald fella. Those are the two choices. Yeah. Um, 3FHW says, we always talk about where we need to be, but we can't even stay in the top four regularly. Let's focus on being a consistent Champion League side again. Poch or Ten Hag will work with enough time and support. They won't get either. To think with enough time and enough support. Yeah, you just nailed it. Those three would do it. How much? How much time do you need? And how much support do you need? Because you know, also go on. The type of support Pochettino would need is is slightly different from the type of support Ten Hag. You think Ten Hag would look at this like class of twenty two lad coming through and go, "There's something I can work with there." I think both of them would. I think both of them. I mean, if you want to look at the major differences between them tactically, it's it's to do with their wide players. So. Uh, and I might do this at some point if it does properly get confirmed. They're talking, Manchester not talking to both, but uh, compare the fullbacks through Pochettino's career and, and Ten Hag's career, and then you start going, oh, this is what, th this, these are the flavors that they go, go go through. And I think in terms of support, the the soft plus to Pochettino that I haven't seen from Ten Hag because my Dutch isn't great um, <laughs> is to be. I mean, Poch is. In the nicest way, not always nice, you know. Uh, and he he's not afraid of butting heads, and he's not afraid of, of going into somewhere and going, no, 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 this isn't working. Sort this thing out for me, X, Y, Z. Whereas Ten Hag, due to the fact that Ajax are an incredibly well-run club, I don't know if he's got a bit of a bastard. Or if he's needed to, Adam. Yeah, yeah, or if he's needed to. Um, and I think if you, you definitely have to book that on his flight to Manchester. And I think, well, I think yeah. that anyone well, who he has to book his own flight to Manchester because <laughs> the club have forgot to book him one. And I think anyone that wants to be Manchester United manager right now will probably need they're to be joking. able to argue. <laughs> yeah. We'll probably need to be able to argue and not just to argue on the case that they're right, but probably need to argue just as a, I am going to argue so you understand I run this business yeah. now. Because, and I, th I have, and again, I'm not saying Ten Hag can't do that. I'm saying I've seen more of that from Pochettino throughout There's the There's also years. some... Um, Rio was obviously in Paris last week. Some of the people with Rio 
were saying they were shocked at the aura that Pochettino had. Said doesn't doesn't translate through the TV. Didn't expect it. But when he was there, you were like, he's got an actual he's a presence about him. Deeply charismatic man. I'm not which sure I never charismatic which I never lose, but um, you know, fair enough. I didn't expect that. Yeah. And then the other thing that I'm kind of hearing through people with Ten Hag kind of connections is Ten Hag actually doesn't. He hasn't got that sort of aura about him. Doesn't have that Don't sort start of aura. selling this is, no, this I'm is not Steven. trying to sell Pochettino. I'm being now. honest. No, this, hey. is the, no, this is the, the problem slash annoyance of Man United. Why does your manager need to have an aura to manage your club? Why can't they just simply be a shit hot? Valid. Coach? Manchester United, unfortunately, the managerial job isn't just a guy that can just get on with his job. The press are going to rip him to pieces. The press are going to jump on any perceived weakness, true or not. The, the fan base needs that. It's an ambassadorial figurehead as much as it is the guy that picks the mm -hmm. team and, and dictates tactics. And I think you kind of do. David Moyes, I think, is a good example of someone that's maybe got a good work ethic, a full understanding of what he needs to be to be a Premier League manager, and just absolutely shit the bed when it came to being Manchester United. I, understand. I think something we're seeing a lot more, to go back to press conferences, is one of the most important tools you need to have a, as a foot manager of a super club is you've got to have a good press conference game. You've got to be able well, to... David Moyes fell at the first hurdle because yeah. I was there for that <laughs> failure. And it was, uh, not being horrible, it was a terrible press conference. I mean, he name-checked Bill Shankly for one, which isn't a good look at United press Seen conference. Seen people look more relaxed getting robbed. Yeah. He looked like <laughs> a rabbit in headlights. And then at one point it was basically, <laughs> Fergie come round me, I said, I'm going to be next United manager. Couldn't believe it. Uh, if you listen like, carefully what? to all the words he says, he never actually accepts that job. He just uh, goes, no, you got told okay. Yeah, he's worried about the fact <laughs> he's sat in his jeans and t-shirt. And you're like, what is this? I think anyone how, is this how is this the man taking over the greatest manager in the history of association football? What are we doing? But people like me go, oh, you know, we'll be all right. He's yeah. Scottish, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Huh? Knows his family. <laughs> What's his right. qualification? Good Scottish. Well, I, yeah. I didn't see him in a suit. You try to convince yourself, you know, this six-year deal we've given him, it'll work out well. I mean, the thing about United is if you, I mean, anyone listens to this, anyone, any United fan should just one day get out a piece of paper, things I want from a Man United manager, and just write them all down, and then look at it and go, are all the things I've written down things a football manager does, or can some of those jobs be deferred and thrown out to someone else? And if they are, then you should go, why aren't my football club finding ways to defer and compartmentalize and get those things out of the way to where anyone else? The, when I'm you know, in the shower and pretending I'm a club executive of Manchester United, because that's what I do, because I'm a strange young man. It's a wreck a shower. Yeah, one of the things I do is I go, right, uh, I, you know, pick, any, pick a manager who you, you think is vaguely impressive in the bottom Fuck of the Premier League. Give me the top five things that you're doing the, the day that Carl Anker gets appointed as CEO of Manchester United go. Uh, good suit fitting, for one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need yeah. that. Good answer. Uh, Are you going with a black on black blazer? Because I think that with a black blazer, with yeah. a black badge. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. The, yeah. Colour, the colour one's good with the grey slacks, but let's, let's take it to 2022 a little yeah. bit and yeah. let's go yeah. sharp, black. Maybe even with like a bit of a navy tie going on. Yeah, okay. maybe, maybe yeah. a little bit of red for him. Try and do it. Uh, to, to speak about uniform, I try and make sure all, at least one change kit is all black. In, uh, to like, again, of aura of just we're nasty. We were the first. We were the first team to do it as well. We're nasty okay. little so and so. So we play in black. I'm going to go good, away and two, beat you all up. Two good moves on your so, first day uh, in the job. What else? One thing we're also going to do is like, right, we've got a really good women's team here, and at the moment, women's team is actually going to go here. We can do the thing within the nineties with our men's team where we're historically good before everyone else realised to be historically good. Let's do that women's team really quickly right oh, now. That's a one eighty degree. Turn. Let's get on the phone with Casey Stoney and apologise for everything. Profusely, you yeah. profusely right, apologise to Casey Stoney. 
Yeah. Um, There's a new Bentley coming as well. Yes. Uh, you know, CS1 registration. Old Trafford. Let's sort that out. Last time I was here, I was talking about. What was it? Carter and a baby wipe? <laughs> or something a bit more substantial. Uh, yeah. I mean, get the Wi Fi sorted out. Just, just now you're just talking crazy. Yeah, so yep, sort, do that. Sort and the then, Wi-Fi out, United. What, what are you on about? And then we'd, we, I'd play basically a. Uh, let's say I'm doing it in, in for the summer when I get a new head coach and whatnot. I'd just get the whiteboard out and go right. Anyone in this room, pick a good manager in the bottom half. And go, oh, you know, Potter. Oh, this one, this one, this one, this one. All right, this man isn't coming as the head coach because of what. And then just make them all list their things. Oh, he hasn't got the aura. Oh, he hasn't got this. Oh, I'm not sure he's got this. He's not sure he's got this. And go, all right, you, you, and you, and you. You fix those problems. So one day, someone like that can be this manager, right? If, you're, if you are a Man United fan and you say, this job is too big, or you say, the shirt is too heavy for the players, you shouldn't be proud of that. You should be going, why isn't this club one of the biggest clubs in the world, one of the greatest clubs in the world, one of the historically re- relevant clubs in the world? Why aren't they doing everything in their power to make this job as easy as possible for the special, special talented people that come into that club, right? I, I, talk to, I do a podcast with Ian Wright, and he says, back in his day when he was playing against United, the thing that always scared him was you met a good United player and you knew you were going to have to play that guy for 10 years oh, because they sort it out. They, go, they, they were going to sort out everything. It was going to be a quality of life, and you just knew that guy there is going to be well-rested. His food's going to be taken care of. His dentistry is going to take care of. And you're like, oh, God, you're never going to be like on a bad day or a bad run of form when you Do play the issue is, so I will get super we, chats in we a minute. know that there's players waiting. with poor diet we know that there's players with um, that aren't doing extras we know there's players that are having to seek out their own strength and conditioning on top of the club that's a joke the fact that all of that's not completely thrown at the players demanded and, and made sure to happen the fact that we haven't implemented anything cutting edge on the football side of things since 2001. The fact that we only just reappointed um, a sports psychologist following the Bill Bezik going in about 2000, by the way, right? 20 years without one. The fact that we haven't done all of those things, including the director of football and the full structure of the club that looks after transition from being a 16 year old prospect to a 26 year old player that's now captain of England is nonsense. But what it tells me is the fact that the club spared no expense in getting an office in Mayfair to woo sponsors and we've not spared any expense on our playing side, women's side, or doing anything with the fucking cliff, which should be a shrine to everything that Manchester United represents, tells me that the board, the owners, and the CEO have got their priorities completely up their ass. I can't argue with any of that, to be honest with you, Stephen. And, uh, and it will never change until the day someone comes in at Manchester United and goes, we're a football club. People come through the door because we're good at football, not because we were good at football 20 years ago. We have to get good at football and you have to put the structure in place for us to get fo- good at football. And all of the things that you're saying will fall into place. Um, I, I did, I've got a video coming out in the morning and the phrase I've used is, blessed are the old men that plant trees that they will never sit in the shade of. Correct. That's what Manchester United need to have as a philosophy right now, is build something for five years' time. Build something for the next cycle. Build something that's sustainable rather than chasing the quick fix. Manchester United are pretty much all those clowns that are going hiring out the interior of a, a private jet to take photos for Instagram. Yep. We've got no <laughs> fucking desire to have our own private jet. We just want a photograph in one. <laughs> Yeah, very true. Well said. Um, Daniel Kirk, you asked the question, uh, what seems like an eternity ago, about Peter Schmeichel made the po- comment. Um, he said, Your favourite player, did you? 
Yeah. He's, he's, he's literally my sixth favourite ever uh, Manchester United <laughs> goalkeeper. <laughs> Very precise. Yeah. Um, Daniel Kirk says, agree with you about distribution, but I think Henderson is tragic. Um, so go on, I'll let you pick up on that. During Henderson's run as number one, he didn't authoritatively go, this is mine. But he was capable of things that De Gea couldn't do. Uh, if, for all the talk about Solskjaer being a great man manager or being good at man management, he did defer a lot. He did take a lot of easy decisions and go, oh, it's a nice problem. And then go, ah, oh, I'll figure that out later. Which meant, Never now you get this. Um, and I think when it gets to the end of that season, you basically go to De Gea, you know, Europa League final or whatnot. It's like, look, you're not playing the Europa League final. Henderson's the guy. And he's basically going, we're going to either loan you or find a way to move you on. Because even though he might not be the, even though Dean Henderson might not be the guy in five years, he's going to be the guy in the next two or three. And we're just going to have to run with that. We're going to find someone to, you know, either Henderson kicks on or you find someone who's better than Henderson rather than this to and throwing between the high and whatnot. And again, that's another director of football thing. If the manager's not strong enough to do it and you've gone through a succession of managers that haven't been strong enough to do it, the director of football, with the permission of everyone that knows what they're talking about at the football club, needs to make decisions for the long-term benefit of the football club. Yeah. If, if, let's say, a manager's in on a short-term contract, let's say Ralph, for example, and he's like, and listen, I just need to win these next few games. And I'm going to do that with De Gea because he'll be shot stopping. But you go, but I want to play this style of football mm -hmm. in three years' time. He's preventing me doing that. He's got to get the bullet. It's there's a lot of problems Manchester United are dealing with in 2022 because in 19, in 18, 19, 21, and 20, they went, ah, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And then I mean, one, and then you know, several world-altering events happened, not least the pandemic. Okay. And you go, like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> Remember, I told you about this. I'm on a blockbuster show. <laughs> yeah. Read your emails. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is the strange. I think every major super club has a thing or has, a, has either a transfer or at least a player who's still at their club that you go, ah, uh, if there weren't a the pandemic, you wouldn't still be here or, or someone else would be here. You'd be jostling for their position. Like there's an alternate reality where Donny van der Beek and Paul Pogba were playing for Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, but Barcelona yeah. went through their mini crisis and look like they're on the back on the way I'm up furious. again now. I'm furious. Yeah, in, in about that, eighteen that months, crisis they had. I'm, lasted, I'm yeah. genuinely furious. You know, they, they got a billion in debt and, and was like, like, the club's in like serious trouble here. And I'm like, like, sort of going, <laughs> yeah, the bank have been on the phone. Hey, well, asked if we want world. another credit card. Yeah. Yeah. It's that great thing. I, it's always really funny when a football manager comes in, looks at the squad, and goes, "Oh wait, we need pace." Just go get me some pace and next next window. Let's go get pace. That's not what you were saying on Monday night. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said that with a couple more whiskeys in me. Uh, <laughs> what goes on uh, the award ceremony stays on the award I mean, it is what he said Monday night, but it's not right. rephrased. I don't Monday use night. the word pace. <laughs> All right. Um, Atrek Badge Pie says, Cal and Steven should start a podcast. It'd be mint. I'm not going to take offence to the fact that you've left me out of that. Thanks for that. Um, but no, it would be. Um, Abhinav Verma, says, who's been a member of the Academy for 12 months, says, Carl, I can't believe that you aren't looking at a proper noodle sponsor if you became United Executive. He's got a point, Carl. Yeah, into me. Do you Call know me. what I mean? That, me. that should be your first priority. Um, Alex Buckingham... Posh, though, not pot ones. Um, yes, member of the first team for 17 months, says, how much are we enjoying the Chelsea fan meltdown on Twitter? I'm not going to lie, I find it very amusing. Could have happened to a better club. I know, I don't have any sympathy. For There's no sort of all fan-on-fan solidarity. With her. They, they knew what they were going. It's all going a bit Pete Song. I still think they'll end up being all right. I just have this feeling. It's just a feeling. I think they'll just 
somehow someone will buy him or something will happen and Chelsea will be all right. They'll be challenging again next year. That's just my take on it. Minute if we got in the top four on the back of it, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be mint. That would be great. <laughs> Through the back door. Um, Carl, before we, before we wrap up, go on. We're going to start in. I didn't want to insult you there. I was going to say what you're up to, what you're doing. Uh, I'll be at the Spurs game tomorrow. Uh, Why I, would you do that, Carl? Why'd you put yourself through that for? It's, it's, it's kind of my job. Yeah, it's a job I really uh, well, You've got a better excuse than <laughs> I'll be there, and it's not my job. Uh, so you can check out writing on The Athletic. We'll be doing, uh, I, I do have a Man United podcast. I share that with Laurie Whitwell, Andy Mitten, and uh, Ian Irvin TV called Talk of Devils. I'd be free, free friends of ours, yeah. should we say? Yeah, good. We can say Solid that. AAA list. Yeah, it's a very good podcast, aren't it? Eh? It's almost as good as this one. Go on, what are you up to? Rhodes Cup semi-final tomorrow. That's Obviously the, the biggest one. game Never mind your Spurs or Trafford, all that drivel. First run out for the green and gold kit. Oh, Ooh. oh. very nice. Yeah. It is very nice. Yeah. It's a very, very nice kit. Can't have one because we've got none left. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, team we've not beat yet this season. Oh, so that's all to play for. Um, all to play for. It's North OMG says when he sees vid about Senag and Poch dropping. All over the next week. Um, all over next week. Uh, I thought my operation was going to be Monday. It looks like it's getting postponed. So I don't know. By the way, this is going, I could still be getting an operation out at some point next week. So just play it by ear and see how it goes. Play Everyone it by Send him a bag of grapes. Yeah. And there's some Lucas Aid. You know where to find Steve. You know what's what? happening over there. And some Lucas Aid. Oh, Red Bull. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That's disgusting. That's like I've never met you. Hey, what's going on there? Carl, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming back on the channel. Uh, love chatting to you. We'll have you on again soon. Yeah, for sure. In. Um, and you know where to find Steve. This has been The Brew. That's been Carl Anker from The Athletic. That's been Stephen Allison. Big thanks to Spitz as well. Spitz even. Get me words out. Abby J. Motty, thanks for watching. Sports Social Podcast Network.